0: This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ, in Jesus Christ for all who believe— in Jesus. You read. Good job, Ethan, way to go, buddy. You're doing so good with your reading, good job. Ugh. Oh, to be an intern. Um, hey, have you, um, have you ever been kind of like out of sorts in a relationship with somebody and you just know, okay, okay, all of a sudden we're not good. Um, I hate it when it happens to coworkers and friends, but I especially hate it when it's Courtney. And I walk into a room and I'm like, hey, sweetheart, oh, we're not good, why aren't we good? What did I do? I'm sure I did something stupid, what did I do? And you try to figure that out. It's not easy to figure out, by the way, is it? Because you'll say, is everything okay? And she'll say, I'm fine. fine. I don't think we think fine is the same thing. (laughs) I think we define fine a little bit differently. But you know how that feels, it doesn't feel good, it feels horrible, like we're not good and that's not good. I wanna ask you a question this morning and I want you to think about it. It's a really important question because um, I'm wondering how you would answer that in your heart. So there's an answer in your heart, but what if I were to say to you, how are you in God today? How are you and God doing? Are you and God good right now? I wonder what you would tell me if you're being honest with me. As I talk with people and meet with people and, and all of that, I, 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 I'll, I'll do it this way. I'll pull my phone out and I'll say, hey, let's say that that I call up God right now and I said, hey, God, I'm with Aaron and you can just choose whichever one you want. I'm with Aaron right now. And uh, God, um, uh, I was wondering how you and Aaron are doing. And, and what, Aaron, do you think that God would tell me? And a lot of times I'll hear things like, well, I'd probably say, not very good. Then when I press a second, you know, why, why, why are you not very good? Well, because I, man, I, sh- I should have read my Bible more this week or I, I kind of screwed up this way. And, you know, and I'm sure God's kind of like frustrated with me, he's upset with me. And so when you, when you picture God, you picture him as a little, just kind of like, just irritated with you or not happy with you, and, uh, but, but what you're doing is you're basing that answer solely on your performance as a Christian. How are you and God doing? Great if you're performing well, but not so great if you're not. And that's really true if you've like been under a lot of trials recently, you know what I mean? Like just like trials are happening and maybe it's not the big things, maybe it's just a lot of little things. Those tend to be worse for me. There's like a string of little irritating trials that happen and I kind of went, God, come on, what's going on, what did I do? How do I make this right again, God? And if I'm being honest, how I tend to answer that is to be like, okay, I gotta figure out where I sinned. All right, okay, I probably sinned there. So I'm I'm gonna do better. I'm I'm gonna gonna call up my accountability partners and say, guys, ask me more about this. I'm, I'm gonna get up a little earlier, get into my Bible and I'm gonna try to get right with God again by performing better. Tell me I'm alone in this. But is that how it works? Is that how our relationship with God functions? He's happy with me when I do good and he's mad at me when I do bad. Is that how our relationship works? Is that how the gospel works? So here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna use this text and what we're gonna do is we're gonna try to answer a key question. And here's the big question we're gonna try to answer today. How can I get right with God? Because I want you to be right with God. I want it desperately for you. Because when you imagine God as low-key mad at you, you don't want to be close to him. It's like, it's like having mad dad. Do you ever have mad dad at your house? Like, you know, from time to time, dad would get upset about something, you'd come home and his siblings would be like, oh, shh, dad's mad today. Well, what happened? I don't know, but he's upset. Well, where is he? He was down in the basement. Okay, I'm not going down in the basement then. I don't want to be around mad dad. And if you picture God like that, there's gonna be distance between you and the Lord when you perform poorly. And when you perform right, you're gonna think, oh, I've earned this. So the question is, well, how does this work? So here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna go to the text and we're gonna first of all reveal the shocking answer to the question, how can I get right with God? We're gonna reveal the shocking answer from the text to that question. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna go back and say, okay, now what are the subsequent arguments that we might rise about the answer? Because the answer is shocking. It's shocking because it's so simple and it's so easy. It is simple and easy to get right with God again. And your natural inclination is gonna be, this can't be this easy. It can't be this simple. So then we're gonna come back and we're gonna take some arguments and we'll answer each of those arguments from the text. So let's do this. Before we do, I wanna pray and I wanna ask God's help. This has been on my heart all week. I've been fired up to preach it all week long, but I'm fully aware that the power of the sermon is not in my words or what I've written on this paper, but the power of the sermon is in the Holy Spirit. So let's pray and ask for God's help. So God, we do just come to you and we... We need you, we need you right now. God, I need you, I need you, Father, to awaken hearts to believe in this. Again and again and again, we need this gospel truth every day and we talk about living in the gospel every day but I hope the sermon this morning, Father, it is a real practical example as to how this actually works and how we tend to not live in the gospel but we live in the hope of our performance. So I'm gonna pray this again, Father, that you would do a work, be glorified in all these things in Jesus' name, amen. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna go back, it's the shocking answer. How do I get right with God? I'm gonna show you the shocking answer. And I'm just gonna do that by reading the text again. And, and I want you to look at it with me now. Let your eyes fall on the text. And as I work my way through here, from time to time, I'm gonna pause. When I pause, that means I want you to read the word. Does that make sense? I do this all the time. I'm just kind of getting you up to speed here. So I'm gonna read. If I pause, I want you to read the word with me because I wanna show you how simple and plain it is in this text to answer the question, how do I get right with God? So here is a chapter three, verse number 21. Now, this is gonna especially be a challenge to you if you grew up in fundamental circles. If you grew up in legalism, this is hard to believe, but let me show you from the text now. This is uh, Romans 3.21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through Faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Hmm. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because of his defiance. The divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he may be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. How do I get right with God again? By, come on church, say it, by faith. Okay, it's by faith, by faith. So what we need to do then is to kind of go back in and unpack some of these words. There's a lot of highfalutin theological words in this text. What do they mean? And let's start by talking about the key word of faith. Faith is absolutely a key word in the book of Romans. It's all throughout the book of Romans. If you were to say what are some of the key words of Romans? Any Bible scholar would say faith is the key word of the book of Romans, okay? But not only Romans, in all of Paul's writings, 142 times Paul uses a form of this Greek word in his writings, 142 times. This is a big deal word for the apostle Paul. So what exactly does faith mean? Because we've made it mean a whole lot of things in in our culture today, and, and it's it confusing as to what it means. Well, let's take that original word and to say it this way, at, at its root, faith means believing, but believing in a certain way. So uh, by way of illustration, right now, and I use this illustration often, so bear with me for a second, but right now, you are exercising faith. You are exercising faith in the chair you're sitting in. So you didn't come in and say, uh, pastor, just one moment. Can I see the specs of these chairs to be sure it can bear my weight? Or you didn't do experiments to say, let me be sure this chair is right. And you stacked up, you know, weights on it. You know, maybe some of you waited for your wife to sit down first to make sure. And then you said, I don't know what it is, but, but you eventually believed enough so that you put your weight down on that chair, believing it would hold you up. And so far, so good. We'll see what happens as the service goes along, but so far we're doing okay. That's faith, faith to the degree that you put your weight on it. Another way of thinking about this would be in in differentiating between different kinds of things that people mean by believe. Sometimes we say believe and we think, well, you just have to know it, but it's more than just knowing. It's like if we went to a frozen lake. Let's say we're in a place where water freezes, uh, like like Minnesota, uh, from time to time. And in Minnesota, in the winter time, and it you know winter comes in about uh, mid uh, November, and it stays till about May. Okay, so it, let's say we're in a lake, and it's frozen over, and we go out to the lake, and I'll say to you, "Hey, that lake is frozen over," and you would say, um, "Probably. Well, do you believe it? Yeah, I believe it. It's really cold out here. It looks frozen over. I believe it's frozen over." Okay, if you really believe it's frozen. And over, then what? Take a walk on the lake. And if you really believe it, you believe it to the degree that you'll put your weight on it. This is what saving faith means. Hey, are you on your way to heaven? If you were to die today, where would you go? Well, I'd go to heaven. Why do you believe that? Because I put my weight on the fact that Jesus died for my sin and rose again. That's what I'm trusting in. That's faith and that's saving faith. That was true when I accepted Christ as my savior, yes. Is it true this week still that we need to put our faith in the work of Jesus Christ? Is that still true today? Please say yes, thank you. So a key word to understand is faith. Another key word, I'm going to put two words together, which is righteousness and justice. Righteousness and justice. Let's take a look at these two key words together, and they're important, uh, and they're very, very, very closely related. In fact, I'm going to do something I don't typically do. I don't normally say the Greek word for this is this, because you don't know Greek. But in this case, it will be helpful to say the Greek words to you. So here are the two Greek words for just for righteousness and justification. Uh, the one word is dekoenomai, and the other one is dikeasun, dikeenomai, asun. They come from the same root, and that root is DK, And DK means to be made right. In fact, Launida says this about the word justified, to cause someone to be in a proper and right relationship with someone else, to be uh, put right with, to cause to be right and right relationship with. So this is exactly what we're talking about. How do I get right with God? How do I get into a good and right relationship with God? Well, I need to be righteous. Okay, well, I'm not righteous. Well, then you need to be justified. And when you're justified, you are declared as righteous. Now, this word, justified, very interesting in the original language. It is passive. Do you remember this from like uh, grammar? passive and active, passive and active. We're gonna illustrate this. Uh, boy, Aaron and I are gonna illustrate this, or should I use girl Aaron for this? <laughs> no, I won't, no, you'll see why in a minute. Uh, right now, I am carrying my Bible. I am carrying my Bible, that's active. But uh, right now, <laughs> I am being carried by Aaron. Carried by. How long can you do this? <laughs> Sorry, I don't want that on social media. Just so you know. Or if so, I want to look lovingly at him, and then you can post it. No, all right. But th- there's a difference. There is. I am actively doing the carrying. But in this case, I am being carried by. Someone else is doing the carrying. Justification isn't something you do to yourself or something you work to earn in order to justify yourself. Justification is something that happens to you. Someone else says, I declare you as righteous. And that is justification. Really, really important. Why am I out of breath? I don't know. (laughs) How do I get right with God? How do I get right with God? I didn't do well this week, man. Haven't done well for a while. How do I get back right with God? Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested, listen, apart from the law, above the law and the prophets bear witness to it. We'll unpack that in a second. The righteousness of God through church Faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. I put my faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for my sin. I acknowledge my sin. I'm a sinner. But I bring this sin to Jesus. And I believe that he died for me. And that he rose again. And I put my faith in him again. Now I get it, Pastor. That's how I was saved, right? I did that for me. I did that when I was 12 years old in 1987. I asked Jesus to be my Savior, and that day I was saved, right? And I believe, by the way, that's a one-time transaction. That happened. I'm never going to lose it. Placed in the hand of God the Father. Placed in the hand of Jesus Christ. No one's taking me out of that hand. I can't lose my salvation. Didn't earn it. Can't lose it on my own. That was that was from Christ, and that alone. But you could you say, well, I, I get that. That happened. But I'm talking about this week, man. I'm talking about by Tuesday. I'm Talking about right now, I want to be right with God again, and I'm saying to you what Paul said to the church in Colossae, Colossians two six and seven. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Well, what does that mean? Well, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the church. Come on, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This isn't on me. God has done it for me. And I just gotta believe in him and get rooted and grounded, not in my performance. That's the law. I gotta get rooted and grounded in faith and that alone. So are you and God good right now? Oh, not really. I screwed up this week. Da-da-da. Okay, how are you gonna get good with God? Well, give me a couple of days and I'll prove to him I'll do better. no. Faith, believe, that's it. And the moment you confess your sin, he forgives you of your sins, cleanses you from unrighteousness and you can be right with God again. Shocking, shocking, but true. So let's hear him. the subsequent arguments. Okay, okay, hold on a second, Pastor. I know what you're saying, but... Let me ask a few questions of you. What we're gonna do, we're gonna ask the questions and I'm gonna answer the questions just from the text. We're just gonna just lie in this text a little bit. So question number one, is this really true? Like, does the Bible actually really teach us that it's faith that saves us and not that we have to earn our way back to God? Is this really actually true? What does the Bible actually say? Well, here's what we're gonna do. Let's, let's go back, in fact, Paul answers this. And look at, look at verse 21, take a look at this. this is verse verse number 21, Uh, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, he says here, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Oh, do they? Oh, yes, they do. In fact, let's go right back to the very beginning. Remember the Garden of Eden? God says, hey, enjoy all these trees, man. Enjoy all the trees, but stay away from the broccoli tree. Everyone says it was an apple. It wasn't, it was broccoli. Uh, That's just a joke, okay, come on. Um, But stay away from the one tree. The one tree don't eat. So what does man do? They eat of the tree. And curses come down from God. But in the midst of these original curses, check this out, there was a promise. And as God curses the serpent, he says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. You shall bruise, he, he shall bruise your head. The word bruise there means to crush. He shall crush your head and you shall crush his heel. If I'm gonna choose between having my head crushed or my heel crushed, I'll probably will choose my heel. But here's what's happening. You got beaten by the serpent, but it's okay because I'm gonna send somebody who will defeat the serpent. There's gonna be a coming offspring who will take care of this for you. It's not on you, I got it. I'm sending an offspring to crush the serpent's head. That promise was given right there in Genesis 3.15. And we see all throughout the Old Testament, the longing for this coming Messiah, this coming savior. And we get to verses like Isaiah 53, verses five and six. But he was, listen, this is, this is Old Testament, baby. This is Isaiah. And look at what he predicts in Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hey, it's not gonna be on you. It's gonna be on the Savior, And he's gonna get crushed. He's gonna get pierced. He's gonna do that for your iniquities. I'm sending someone. I'm sending a savior. And this is why Advent, the season of Advent, is so precious to to immerse yourself in. Israel waited for the savior. They waited for the savior. We should have a time in in, in, this month where we're just longing for the coming of Jesus and coming, and we know the story. But what's really interesting is here we have these verses in the the Old Testament is telling us someone else is going to do this. Someone else is going to carry your iniquities. And then you have verses like this from, from David, where David says in Psalm 51, he sinned against Uriah and against Bathsheba, but he said this For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. Now, pause for a second. He was supposed to give a sacrifice, he was supposed to give a burnt offering. Where did he see that? We saw it in the law. But now he says, "You don't delight in that." Why? Because the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. It wasn't the action, it was the heart. It was the heart that believed that God was a God that was forgiving, a heart that believed by faith that God would forgive if we confessed and made sacrifice and asked him. Now to put the nail in the coffin, I said, does the Bible really teach that it's by faith? Let's all do this. Would you take your Bible and go to Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews chapter 11. Take a look at this with me. the writer of Hebrews, writing to guess who? Do you know? Hebrews. (laughs) The writer of Hebrews, who was writing to, very good. Reminds him of this, verse number one, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then he goes on and he talks about faith, he talks about faith. Look at verse number four. Now what I'm gonna do is another little like participation game here. I'm gonna say by faith and I want you to say the name. So look, and we're gonna do this several times. Look at verse number four. Uh, so here we go, by faith, Abel, okay? Offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. So was it his sacrifice or was it his faith? It was his faith. Okay, great, look at verse number seven. Try to follow in verse number seven. Here we go. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning the events yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed in an ark. And it's talking about Noah. It was by what? By faith. All right, how about verse number eight? By faith, Abraham. Okay, we're seeing a little, we're seeing a little um, pattern here. How about verse number 17? By faith, Abraham again. Let your eyes fall on verse number 21. Verse number 21 now. By faith. Okay, verse number 22. By faith. Okay, verse number 23. By faith. You get the idea? By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. It's always been by faith. Then verse number 29, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land. Verse number 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Verse number 31, by faith, Rahab the prostitute. And you get on and on, getting all the way to verse number 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, conquered kings and forth justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, so on and so forth. Church, it's always, 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 always okay. been by faith. You tracking on this? Is it really true? Does the Bible teach that to get right with God today, right now, I just need to have faith in him? Yeah, it's really true. The Bible, I'll say it this strongly, It is the message of the Bible, what we call the meta-narrative, the story of stories. You don't earn your position before God. It is given to you through the death of Jesus Christ, and that is accessed by you by faith in that alone. Okay, is it true? Yes, it's really true, but here's the next question. Yeah, but is it true for me? I was talking with a friend this week about this text where we you know, I was so excited about preaching this text and like the, the things I was seeing in this text and unpacking it this way. And I was talking with him about it and he was just like, wow, man, it's just like incredible. And, and he said this, you know, it, it's, it's really easy for me to believe this is true about everybody else, but it's really hard for me to believe it's true about me. Like he said, even people that I think are worse than me, like I can believe God is good to forgive them, but I really have a hard time believing he'll forgive me. So let's answer this question. So is it really true for you? Well, look at verse number 23. Actually, verse number 22. Verse number 22. The righteous of God through faith in Jesus Christ for hmm, all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And we can say, and all who believe are justified by grace as the gift of the redemption of the So it's all, it's all. And what does all mean? It means all. In fact, this is all, this whole argument is really coming from Romans one we We've talked about this for several weeks now. He starts this argument in one sixteen, where he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes for the Jew first and also to the Greek, everybody. In fact, in John 6, 37, Jesus said this, and, all, the, and yeah, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So now look at me here. It's really important for you to understand. Look at me. If everybody else is saved, but you're not, if this is true for everyone but for you, then it's not true for everyone especially because there's a lot of individuals in this room who would say, not me, not me. But no, if it's true for everybody else, but not for you, this not for everybody. If Jesus never casts people out, but he'll cast you out, then he can't say never. So either it includes you or God's a liar. Yeah, it's true for you. listen, pastor, you don't get it. I sin. And then I repent only to do it again and again. That happens a lot. So it's probably not real for me. Now, uh, I'll just say, We purposefully landed pretty heavy on our good works and our performance stuff in the last several weeks. So we landed pretty heavy on Be sure you're walking with the Lord. Be sure this is real. There's an element to where if you're not seeing any good works ever in your life, maybe it's not real and you need to, but still regardless, the same step is for you. Come to Jesus by faith and really believe he died for you. So so, so if you have, and you still struggle with sin, you're gonna still struggle with sin. and, And yeah, but pastor, will God just keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving? Will he really do that? The steadfast love, this is the Old Testament, Lamentations 3, right from the Old Testament, love this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I want you to read that with me. Let it wash over your soul. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I'll keep reading now. On my own, his mercies never come to an end. When are his mercies going to end for you? When? Hmm. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love this. So, Lord, is my portion. Um think, think Thanksgiving table. What's your favorite dish of Thanksgiving? What is it? I love good stuffing. When I say good stuffing, I mean stovetop. And uh uh <laughs> listen, you don't judge me. And so it's good. And turkey gravy, you know, and like I love it. And so, like, like, oh, I want to get a big old portion, and that's my portion. That's gonna satisfy me. That's gonna be the thing that I the Lord is my. Portion. The Lord is my satisfaction, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of our good works to earn back God's favor with us again. Nope. It is good that we should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Is this true for me? Yes. Even though you've sinned, he will keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. Now, I hear the critic and I hear the critic say, yeah, but pastor, you're just giving people a license to sin. Come on. And I'm gonna say, we're gonna get to 6.1, Romans 6.1, where it's gonna say, shall we continue in sin that grace should abound? And the answer is, may it never be. We'll, we'll get to that, okay? But right now, let's just, land on this joyful, wonderful idea that God forgives and forgives and forgives. Because I believe his kindness is meant to lead us to repentance or turning from our sin, not living in it. But next question. Okay. Well, okay. So, all right. Is it true? Yes. Is it true for me? Yes, it is. Okay. Shouldn't I do something for this? Like, come on, I know better than this. There's no such thing as a free lunch. If someone says it's free, it's not really free. We're in the market right now to buy Madeline a new car. And I hate going to car dealerships. And I'm sure these guys are good guys. I'm sure somewhere in their souls, there's goodness. Um, uh, but you, it's like, I don't know what to trust this guy. He's gonna tell me something and I don't trust anybody. How can I trust the fact that, shouldn't I earn this? Shouldn't I do something back for this? And well, let's just look at the text. So we're gonna go back again to Romans 3. Now we're in verse uh, 24. So uh, all sin, sinned of sure the glory. God, verse 23, verse 24, and are justified, okay, made right with God, put in right relationship by grace as a, what's the word, church? A gift. By the way, the word grace is unearned favor, unearned love. The Hebrew word chesed is often translated steadfast love. Love. It was what opened up Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And that's grace. So his grace, and what is his grace to us? His grace is a, it's a gift. It's a gift. Think about this for a minute. So Christmas is coming and uh, um, you get to a certain age where that whole thing transfers to, I'm excited about what I'm gonna get versus I'm excited about what I'm gonna give. And when you get older it's like I really get pumped about like watching other people open gifts. And I'm really, really excited for, for Courtney this year. Um, don't tell her she's sick today, so she's not listening. Uh, uh, but I'm gonna—I splurged on Courtney a little bit this. When I say a little bit, I mean a lot uh, this Christmas. And so I did some extra computer stuff, and I got some. And, and I'm real excited for Christmas morning with with Courtney, and uh, we got the gifts out there. And and uh, uh, there's one in particular. She's got all kinds of gifts, and some she thinks she knows them all. She doesn't know all of them. I got some that's gonna be a surprise to her. And uh, and uh, but there's one in particular I'm really really excited about, and, and and she's gonna open it, and and the keys to a new Lexus. No, not really. Because no one actually ever does that, okay? Just so you know, don't believe the car commercials. No one buys anybody a Lexus for Christmas. So anyway, uh, or or if they would, they'd be really mad that they went that much into debt. Anyway, um, uh, but I get this gift, and can you imagine Christmas morning, and I give Courtney the gift, and she opens it, and she goes, "Ah, I do declare. (laughs) Whenever we do Courtney at home, it's always a southern bell, okay? Just so you know. Uh, Oh, Jamie, that, that gift is so precious. Thank you, sweetheart. And should say, um, can I give you a dollar for it? Uh, <laughs> okay, it's Christmas morning. I can't get mad. Um, hmm, a dollar? Uh, no, sweetheart, you can't give me a dollar. First of all, uh, I paid many dollars for this gift. Uh, but also, it's not to be purchased. It's a, it's a gift. It's a gift. To and really, to really hone this in, I'm actually going to steal a little bit of thunder from future preaching, okay? I want you to look at Romans 4, verse number 4. Yes, we'll get there. And I'm sure five weeks from now, Jamie is going to be mad at today, Jamie, if we're doing this, but. Who cares what he thinks? We're going to go Romans four, verse number four and take a look at this. This is so incredible. Actually, I don't mind repeating this over and over again because it's so important to see. Take a look at four, four. Now to the one, now I'm going to read this a little differently because I want you to see the actual Greek that's here. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as grace. That's the actual word there. It's the same word for grace. His works are now counted as grace, but what he is owed. Okay, tomorrow, how many of you are gonna go to work? This week, how many are gonna go to work? Come on, all right, great. Uh, how many of you are gonna get paid for your work? Great, okay, is that a gift from your employer? No, it's what they owe you. In fact, my cousin put this on our our social media this week. I got a lot of cousins, by the way, but my cousin put this out there and uh, her company gave everybody a $25 gift card to Kroger. And then she looked at her pay stub and they deducted $25 to pay for the Kroger gift card. Not only is that not a gift, you are saying we're telling you how to spend $25 and we're gonna tax you for it. It's horrible, and, 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 but, but, that, but it's not a gift then, it's wages, it's what is due. When we try to earn our way back into God's good graces, to be right with God again by kind of living right for a while, what you're saying is, God, I want to earn this back, and it becomes not grace, but it becomes wages. And I don't know, man. I think part of us, this is this is the problem. I want to be good enough. I want to be good enough that I can show God I'm good enough. I I'm better than this. And there's a part of us that would say, I want to do this so well that God would owe me a little bit of righteousness. That's not how it works. If you have to earn favor with God again, that's wages. But look at what verse five of Romans four says. Shut up five weeks from now, Jamie. Um, Four or five. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. I don't know. I just gotta believe. I just gotta believe. So the answer, shouldn't I do something for this? It is a emphatic, absolutely not. No way. Because it's not to be earned. It's not wages. It's grace. Which might lead us to then the last question. Well, shouldn't someone do something for this? And the answer to that question is yes, and he already has. Take a look at uh, verse number now 25. We're just marching through this text and now verse number 25. Actually, we'll go back to verse number 24. And verse number 24 then, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Okay, he 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 was a propitiation by his blood, his shed blood on the cross accomplished something amazing for you. That something amazing is propitiation. So, what in the world does propitiation mean? Let me give you an example. Matt, would you come? Courtney, I'm not Courtney. You're not Courtney. You're Madeline. You look like Courtney though. Come here, Madeline. And let's say this happens. Let's say that I do, and uh, Madeline stand here. I almost did it again. And Matt, you stand over here. Um, uh, So let's say that I do something and I make Madeline really angry with me today. She gets mad at me. She gets so mad that she goes downstairs to my wargaming stuff and she destroys everything. She breaks my table. She busts up my minis. She, she... Just so you know, I would never do that. she says. <laughs> but she destroys everything. And I am livid. I am angry. And I'm like, Madeline, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna pay for this. And I, I believe it so much that I uh, take out a lawsuit against Madeline to pay back for my minis. I'm that angry that I'm gonna do that. Well, then Matt steps up because secretly, Matt loves wargaming. He secretly does. He's really into it. He doesn't want anyone to know. He's a massive fan of all the wargaming stuff. And so he's, and he says, you know what? Here's what I'm gonna do. You tell me the price, Jamie, and I'm gonna pay you the price so that you can be okay again with Madeline. And he writes the check and he pays that debt so that I am now appeased. I am now satisfied. And now I can be brought in a relationship again with Maddie Grace. That check is propitiation. It's the payment that satisfied my wrath. Thank you, guys. How are we made right with God? We're unrighteous. How is that fixed? Well, Jesus made a payment. And what does the text say the payment was? Propitiation, what? By his blood. His cruel death on the cross was payment for the Father's wrath against my sin, against my sin. But church, what did he say on the cross? It is finished. So when I say to God... God, for you and me to be right again, I wanna earn this back. Give me a couple days. I'm gonna to prove to you I'm, I'm, I'm after this. I'm gonna show you what I'm really saying. Jesus didn't do enough. His death on the cross wasn't enough. I've got to kick in a little to prove it. And Paul is saying, no, it's been done. It's, the propitiation has been given. Shouldn't someone pay for this? Yeah. And they already have. Pastor, I gotta get real with you like just for a minute here because this just sounds crazy. For me to be right with God, all I have to do is confess my sin and then ask him to forgive me and I'm good? How is that right? How is that even right? Right? Verse uh, 25, again, let's just read the whole thing. Whom God put forward as propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. How can God pass over sins? My sin sucks. It's really bad. How can he pass over? No, it was to show his righteousness at the present time that, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is the one who says his blood was enough, and God is the one who says I am just, and I am the justifier, and the death of Jesus was enough. That's all I needed to pass over sins, and it's done, and I'm right. I am just in that, and he is the one that says it's right. So it sounds crazy. It sounds ridiculous, but it's still very, very true. And the question is now, church, listen, the question is, are you really living in the gospel? How do I know? Well, how are you and God? Not so good. Why not? Well, I didn't perform well. Okay, here's what you do. Confess and believe. Everyone say those words with me again, would you? Confess and believe. One more time. Confess and believe. All right, confess what? Confess your sin. You're not like like ignoring your sin. You're not like saying it's okay to sin, you're not. Sin is sin, sin is wretched, sin is horrible. We spend weeks talking about your depravity, months talking about your depravity, we get it. Sin's really, really bad and you don't ignore sin, you don't pacify sin, you don't excuse sin, you don't put your sin on somebody else. You say, no, I sinned, you confess. And then you believe that Jesus died for it, and he rose again. And he says, you're forgiven. And you say, I believe. You can get right with God right now. In fact, here's what I want you to do. We're taking those two steps. So if you would bow your head and close your eyes for a second. And I, maybe this is your first time, hallelujah, praise God. We love that, love for it to be your first time. Maybe it's not your first time. Maybe you struggle with this again and again. And right now, you know, I don't feel good with God because I got some stuff in my way. Well, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a moment now. We're gonna confess. Would you just, just pray? And I want you to just go to God right now. And I want you just to say, God, I sinned against you. And I want you to name that sin that you feel is keeping you from God. Take a moment and pray that. What might be holding some of you back as you would think about your sin and you would think, well, I'm probably gonna do it again. I don't want to, but probably will. Remember, his mercies are new every morning. Just right now, confess it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just right now, confess your sin. Now, once you've done that, I want you then to believe. And I want you to pray to God. I want you to say, God, I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose again. And I believe in your grace and I believe I'm forgiven. Would you take a moment, would you pray that? You're going to do is you're going to live in that cycle. Confess and believe, confess and believe, confess and believe. And the more you believe you're forgiven, the more you will love to God, and His kindness will lead you to repentance. And I'm telling you, by experience, I will say, the more you will see yourself having victory over your sin because you are abounding in thanksgiving. You are loving Him more because of His grace. So, Father my prayer is for our church, Father, for me personally, but for our church to live every day in this, that this week they will confess and they will believe. They'll put on the gospel again. They'll see the plainness that's here in the text to know that to be right with you, it comes by faith and that alone. Would you do that work in all of our hearts? And if there are some who believe for the first time this morning, praise you for that, Father. Let us be a church where they can be discipled and they can grow in this learn what it looks like to live in this every day. And we'll give you the praise for that, God. Thank you for your incredible love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. You are loved.